0: Again, the URL is unchangedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin.
1: Abra is the easiest way to invest in crypto with 28 cryptocurrencies and Bit10, the only crypto index product available to everyone. Get started with $25 in Bitcoin at Abra.com slash unconfirmed. Your
2: branding and website are the first things your audience will see. In the ever-expanding world of ICOs and blockchain startups, you need to stand out from the pack. Ramp is a full-service creative and design agency that will help you amplify your brand with a perfect website, logo, collateral, or custom design project get big results in no time by visiting thinkonramp.com.
1: WeTrust is a new fundraising platform that allows you to donate crypto to nonprofits. Go to wetrust.io/unconfirmed to make your donation.
0: For today's episode commemorating the 10th anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper, my guest is Charlie Lee, the creator of Litecoin, aka Satoshi Lite. Welcome Charlie.
3: Thanks for having me, Laura.
0: Looking back on the last 10 years, what are your main thoughts right now on this major anniversary? Um, I guess
3: just been surprised it's been so many years already. It feels like just yesterday when I found out about Bitcoin. When I first read about it in 2011. Yeah, it's just amazing that it's been 10 years already.
0: And when you, how did you hear about it?
3: I read an article on Silk Road and how Silk Road only accepted Bitcoin and just really piqued my interest on this new currency that is censorship resistant and just a better form of money than what we have currently.
0: And when you say you kind of can't believe it's 10 years, why do you think you can't believe it? Like, has it moved faster, I guess, than you thought?
3: I, I guess I've been so like into this space. Um just haven't kept track of how how much time has passed, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, there have been so many attempts at creating a digital currency prior to Bitcoin. Why do you think Bitcoin survived and thrived where the others failed?
3: Um, actually, let me, let me answer your previous question. I guess I'm surprised because it just feels like we're still in the beginning. Like we haven't, we have yet scratched the surface about uh, on like how, how far Bitcoin can go, or cryptocurrency in general? Um, I think like the end goal is to become like money, right? Money that everyone will use on a daily basis, and I think it will replace fiat as money that everyone will use. So like right now, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency is still just a speculative asset, and even though it's been ten years, we just we haven't really scratched the surface of like the whole becoming real money yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although. I guess, and I said this in this episode I released earlier this week, which was on Unchained, about the 10-year anniversary, that I still think we have come pretty far in the sense that Bitcoin, you know, started off with zero value and... Even you know, not that long ago, people were paying ten thousand bitcoins for two pizzas. So when you consider that now <laughs> a single bitcoin is six thousand dollars, in that sense, I actually do think it has come pretty far. You're right, maybe not from a usability perspective, but uh, from maybe like a belief perspective or something like that.
3: Yeah, we've we've come a long way. I mean. When I got into the space, Bitcoin was worth thirty dollars, and I felt that it was way undervalued. That's why I bought in um, and really started getting really into the space um, because I really believed in it. I think that um, it's going to really revolutionize money. So the price has has definitely gone up quite a bit since then, but we haven't really it hasn't really reached like much adoption in terms of people using it. Um we've definitely got gone far like we've there's work on like second layer solutions, more scaling um more privacy. so I'm happy to see how much we've done in the past ten years um but there's definitely a lot of work ahead of us
0: and what do you think it will take to gain wider adoption?
3: Um, I guess right now the the near term it's just more um giving people more exposure to to the asset class. Uh, so like ETFs and like Fidelity and the Bach exchange opening up and just giving more people access to this asset class so that they can buy in. Um, I think moving forward, when Lightning Network becomes more, becomes more fleshed out and the UI gets better and easier for people to get on the Lightning Network, we'll see more usage as the fees go down and uh, transactions become instant. I think that will spur more adoption and more usage of people actually using uh, cryptocurrency for, for payments, for transferring value.
0: So in a way it's sort of like just get people to the point where they own a little bit and then meanwhile, build out the infrastructure where they can kind of transact peer to peer more easily. And then at that point, we'll start to see people using it in a day-to-day way.
3: Yeah. Like right now when you first start using Bitcoin, you realize how powerful it is, right? It's, it's a form of money that, you can't, you can't, that can't be censored. So when I found out about Bitcoin in 2011, it was like a month after the, the Poker Black Friday. I don't know if you're aware of that event where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the U.S. government came out and shut down all the online poker sites. So poker mm-hmm. was, online poker was getting really popular in the U.S. And I think it was threatening... Um, like gambling revenue in Vegas, and then there was, they were lobbying for something to, for the government to do something. So they, I don't know if if this is the reason, but it seems like it. So the government like shut down the poker, online poker sites, um, charge everyone with like, uh, wire fraud and money laundering, and then shut down all the payment methods for getting money into, for getting like US dollar into the poker sites, right? So the poker sites are offshore somewhere, so they're still running, but you can't, as a U.S. citizen, there's just no way for you to transfer money to those sites so you can gamble. And from my point of view, like, poker is a game of skill. You are using your own money. You're not harming any- anyone, and you're actually just having fun, right? So there's no reason why anyone should should really stop you from just playing a game online. So with Bitcoin on now, you can actually transfer Bitcoin to an online poker site, and no one can stop you, right? Yeah, so I think, like, something like money – like it's a better form of money where you actually have control of your own money. And once you use Bitcoin, you see how powerful it is. You can transfer it to like someone in China and pay very little fee and it gets there immediately. Without before Bitcoin, it's just really hard to move money around globally and, and to use it for to pay for things like or to like sorry, like for, for poker, right? To play poker. So it's kind of it's really cool.
0: Yeah, but so something that's interesting about what you said, and this came up in the Unchained episode I did with Nathaniel Popper of the New York Times and Palvinia, they were saying that so far, they feel like the only way that Bitcoin has proven itself useful is for doing illegal things. and. You know what the example that you just gave is something that, as you mentioned, is prohibited in the United States. That Bitcoin would enable you to do. So, do you feel that Bitcoin or or any crypto really um, that the best use case for it is to do things that are essentially illegal?
3: I think it's. I see it the other way around. I see it that the reason why um, these so-called illegal sites. Use poker is we uh, sorry use Bitcoin is because Bitcoin is is good money, right? Money needs to you, sh- you need to, you should be able to spend your money the way you see fit without someone someone third party or government saying you can't use your money in a certain way. So I think the reason why like Silk Road, um, darknet market markets, and poker sites use Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is because it's it's good money, and I think good money will will win out in the end. And it's not just about doing something, doing illegal things. It's more about just having control of your money, right? It's money, you, hard-earned money. It's your money. So you should have full control over it.
0: Yeah. And I do want to point out that I happen to be watching this other video where Catherine Hahn, who's the new GP at uh, at Coinbase, (laughs) at Andreessen Horowitz, um, although she is on the board of Coinbase, um, your former employer, and she uh, used to be a federal prosecutor and she was making the point in her presentation that... Criminals use all sorts of technologies and that basically if you have a new technology and criminals don't use it, that probably means that it's a bad technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so we're going to discuss uh, kind of institutional adoption and, and other issues around this Bitcoin anniversary. But first, a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. On Ramp
2: is a full-service creative and design agency that has helped numerous companies, including many in the blockchain and crypto space, maximize their brand awareness, gain traction, and accelerate growth. Whether you're a startup company launching a new brand or an established brand exploring a new campaign, OnRamp has you covered. OnRamp has a passion for boosting business results and can help with everything from logo and website design to full creative execution. Focus on your core technology and leave the rest to OnRamp. To learn more and see how they've helped passionate entrepreneurs achieve their
1: dreams, go to thinkonramp.com. We Trust helps you make the world a better place. WeTrust is a new fundraising platform that allows you to donate your crypto to nonprofits that are changing the world. To inspire you to give, WeTrust will match your donation through Giving Tuesday on November 27th. Go to wetrust.io slash unconfirmed to make your donation. If you want your crypto donation to go farther, go to wetrust.io slash unconfirmed to donate through November 27th. Unconfirmed listeners can receive $25 in Bitcoin just for opening an Abra wallet at Abra.com unconfirmed. Abra's all-in-one exchange and wallet lets everyone, everywhere, easily and securely invest in crypto. With 28 cryptocurrencies available and Bit10, the first easily accessible crypto index. With as little as $5 in bit10, you can invest in an index of the top 10 cryptocurrencies, professionally rebalanced every month. Get started with $25 in Bitcoin at abra.com/unconfirmed.
0: I'm speaking with Charlie Lee, the creator of Litecoin. So, to go back to that other question I asked you, why do you think Bitcoin succeeded where some of the previous attempts at digital currency failed?
3: Bitcoin Solve the problem where you have a kind of distributed ledger and no one has control. And if you look at things like uh, Liberty Reserve or or Egoed or things like that, where there's still like a central controlling party, so the government can crack down on that central party and kind of just kill the currency. Right, so the idea. The innovation of, of Bitcoin is that it's a decentralized currency and no one has control. And I think that's the key. They manage or Satoshi managed to to achieve this goal where previously no one else has ever has been able to.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is a theme, though, which is so interesting. Just even in this answer, again, you said, oh, a government can't stop it. So I do. I mean, yeah, I I mean, I see it both ways, uh, as I just mentioned, but definitely, you know, as I was saying that in the other episode, we we were talking about how it does feel like one of the main reasons that it's succeeding is because governments can't control it, and that is also what's fueling adoption as people are using it for things that are illegal. Um, but another question I had asked in that episode was, do you think that Bitcoin would have succeeded if Satoshi had stuck around?
3: Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I think I don't see why it wouldn't have succeeded. So Satoshi, even if he stuck around, he he wouldn't have like control over the currency, right? So I'm around, I can kind of um, try to convince the Litecoin community to go a certain way, but I, I don't have control, right? I don't have, I can't say I want to add this to Litecoin and either take it or leave it, right? I can't, I can't do that because the community can say no, right? If I wanted to all of a sudden increase the Total amount of Litecoin from eighty-four million to uh, a billion the next day because I was I just want to print more Litecoin for myself
0: <laughs> or hundred billion would, you could be or, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> and the Litecoin community would not run the new code would not hard fork and follow my fork um, so it's it's decentralized currency right so even if Satoshi stuck around Bitcoin would go the way the people wanted to go and Satoshi would have definitely would have an influence, but um, he wouldn't have control. So it will still be decentralized. It will still succeed.
0: Well, one of the biggest challenges that Bitcoin has faced is around governance. Do you think that, you know, and and that has actually been, I think, one of the big problems for Bitcoin where you see, you know, this massive infighting going on. Do you think that those issues would have been uh, less divisive if Satoshi had stuck around?
3: Uh. Possibly less divisive, because it's it's just disheartening to see people use Satoshi as like a weapon or like saying like this is Satoshi's vision and you're wrong because I'm following Satoshi's vision. I mean, no, you can't. If Satoshi's wrong, at least you can't do that. And I guess the funny thing is with Litecoin, you can't say this is Charlie's vision because I'm <laughs> wrong. I can tell you that's not my vision, <laughs> right? So.
0: Although I bet people have said such things. <laughs>
3: sure. <laughs> At least if if he's still around, he can like kind of clamp down on that kind of um, argument, which right now is impossible to to argue against, right? If someone says, this is the vision, the white paper says, this is PTP um, electronic cash, and this coin is more PTP electronic cash. It's just like, I can't, you can't argue against that. It's kind of like a religious argument. And once you get go there, it's just it becomes silly. Um, yeah. So I guess if, if he's still around, he could clamp down on that argument. Um, <laughs> but other, I mean, other than that, the thing—the good thing about like a with a decentralized currency, it's good and bad, right? It's kind of like a democracy versus a um, benevolent dictator, right? With a benevolent dictator or just, or just a dictator in general, you can he can do things very efficiently, but with a democracy. It's just very inefficient, right? With a decentralized currency, it's just very inefficient to to change because you need you need consensus. And you find consensus. Like consensus has to sort of form. You can't force it, right? I think, like last year with the SegWit two X movement, people were trying to force a consensus, and in the end, it got rejected by the community. Um, it's just hard to kind of. Um, it's just inefficient, and I think. I think that's good for for a decentralized currency. In the end, these currencies, they don't really need to change that much. right? If Bitcoin or Litecoin never changes from now on and just fixes critical bugs, it will still work perfectly fine as a currency. It works great. It's censorship resistant. It's immutable. It has all the features of, of a great currency. So I think even if nothing changes in the future, it's still fine. And change will be slow, and that's something that we kind of have to just accept because it's a decentralized currency.
0: Well, so in the examples that you gave with, you know, democracy being described as sort of like Bitcoin and then the benevolent dictator, you didn't set an example, but I, you know, kind of was seeing Ethereum in that, in that light. What about the new chains that are kind of like more like democracy in the sense that there isn't a benevolent dictator, but they do have a governing process that's on chain. What do you think about the prospect for those?
3: It potentially could work. Kind of, You have to kind of test it and see it in action and make sure everything's working properly. It's kind of you're setting out the rules for, for this governance system. And until you actually see it in action, it's hard for, for anyone to really say if it will work or not. So I guess time will tell. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree on that. They're highly, highly experimental, <laughs> but but super interesting. I'm very curious to follow them. Um, so earlier you were talking about some of the big moves we've seen by some of the traditional finance world like Fidelity, which is now going to help institutional clients trade Bitcoin and Ether backed, which is a joint venture by the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange, Microsoft and Starbucks. We have seen Goldman investing in Bico What importance or significance do you think that all of these moves by the traditional finance world will have for Bitcoin and crypto?
3: I think it solidifies Bitcoin and crypto as a new asset class. So I think what Bitcoin right now, a lot of people say it's, it's like a digital gold, right? I think, and I agree, it really is a better form of gold. So gold as an asset class is worth like $10 trillion, right? And Bitcoin today is only worth 100 million. Sorry, sorry, 100 billion. Right? Yeah. So we're, we're about 100X away from uh, 10 trillion. So that's, that just shows you how much Bitcoin can grow if it would go compete with gold as an asset class. So I think that's like the first step, right? So Bitcoin price will be very volatile for the next few years. I mean, for, for quite a while until it reaches a point where it reaches its real value. And we don't know where that is, right? Is it right now it's at 1% of gold? Is it 10% of gold? Is it 100% of gold? Or is it like actually better than gold and actually will exceed gold's market cap? And just no one really knows. So that's why it's like, it's really volatile right now.
0: And so here we keep talking about a world in which Bitcoin becomes more widely adopted. In that world, what role do you think Litecoin will play? Uh, hard
3: to say. I mean, I've positioned Litecoin as silver to Bitcoin's gold, right? To Bitcoin's gold. So as a kind of complementary to Bitcoin, I see, I definitely see a world where um, multiple cryptocurrencies will be used as, uh, as money. As we've seen in history, gold and silver were used as money. So I see that. I don't obviously I believe Litecoin complements Bitcoin really well. And yeah, I think in the future both will be used as money. Um and with things like lightning network, atomic swaps, I think in the future people may not even need to like know which money protocol is actually that that's actually being used when they're actually transferring value. I think ideally when you're moving value all you care about is actually just moving money from you to a merchant or to someone that you want to pay. And you don't really care what's the, what the underlying protocol is.
0: Yeah. But hmm. like, I, I agree with both of those things and yet I still feel like people will choose a particular currency to either mostly transact in or hold. And that will be for a reason. But well, speaking of the future Here we are, you know, 10 years into Bitcoin. What are your predictions for the next 10 years?
3: Definitely don't know anything about the price. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't have to be a price
0: prediction. I'm not CNBC.
3: (laughs) I will predict that it's going to be as crazy, as volatile as previous (laughs) 10 years. And there's going to be a lot more um, fights, a lot more hate on Twitter yeah, it's just, it's going to be a wild ride. It's the only, <laughs> that's the only given, I kind of, only truth I can say.
0: It's, Definitely a safe prediction.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, I've said this previously, like, Bitcoin is such a powerful innovation. It will, it could potentially topple, like, cause a lot of problems for for countries, right? For people who rely on fiat currency. I think yeah. the future, maybe not the near term, but eventually fiat currencies are, are going to die, right? And Bitcoin or something better than Bitcoin would actually replace it as money that people use.
0: Huh. So maybe this is a prediction for the next like 100 or 500 years, <laughs> rather than yeah, the next 10. <laughs> could, yeah.
3: um, you never know, right? It could happen sooner than than you expect. Uh, um,
0: yeah. In the In the right country, yeah.
3: I never like. I think the fiat currency. Like everyone alive today, kind of was born into this this world where fiat currency rules, right? So people don't really understand that we can have something better, and Bitcoin is kind of showing us that we can actually have something better for money, and kind of very hopeful that that we eventually will will start adopting and actually using this as as money
0: all right well i think that's a good place to end thanks for coming on unconfirmed
3: sure thanks for having me laura
0: thanks so much for joining us today to learn more about the topics we discussed be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player new episodes of unconfirmed come out every friday if you haven't already rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts if you liked this episode share it with your friends on facebook twitter or linkedin Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Raylan Galapali, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening.